This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Zoomer Week in Review, heard every Sunday at noon on AM 740 Zoomer Radio. You're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, brought to you by Chartwell Seniors Housing, making people's lives better. Good afternoon and welcome to the Zoomer Week in Review, all things Zoomer worldwide. I'm Libby Zneimer. We've just finished celebrating the new year and now comes the hard part, making good on those resolutions. For many people, that means sticking to things like diet and exercise plans or a tough new budget. But according to a pair of psychologists, knowing when to throw in the towel is just as important. Stay tuned for Peg Streep, co-author of Mastering the Art of Quitting, Why It Matters in Life, Love, and Work. And speaking of exercise, is it on your New Year's agenda? It's not just a matter of getting buff. The experts say as we age, we need exercise to keep doing all the things we do. Colin Milner from the International Council on Active Aging will teach us all about the hot new trend for Zoomers, functional fitness. But first, here are your Zoomer headlines from around the world. Here's a new take on a very important New Year's resolution, quitting smoking. Researchers in Brazil have found that a cancer diagnosis in a high-profile person sharply increases efforts to quit smoking in the general public. In October 2011, Lula da Silva, Brazil's former president and a smoker, was diagnosed with laryngeal cancer. In the weeks that followed, researchers monitored Google News and search trends. They found that queries for quitting smoking spiked 163% in the first week following the announcement. There were a total of 1.1 million searches made in the month that followed, and these numbers were significantly higher than the typical upturns that follow major events like Brazil's National No Smoking Day or World No Tobacco Day. Facebook was the dominant social media platform of 2013. That's according to a new poll by the Pew Research Center. It found that 71% of online adults logged into Facebook in 2013. That's up from 67% in 2012. And older Zoomers played a large role in that bump. 45% of people over the age of 65 are on the site, and that's a 10% jump from 2012. And that number is in addition to 60% of the 50 to 64 age group. The job market has made LinkedIn the second most popular social site for Zoomers. It's the first time any treatment has shown to slow the progression of mild to moderate Alzheimer's disease. That treatment is vitamin E. In a study of more than 600 older veterans over a two-year period, high doses delayed their decline by about six months. The research in the Journal of the American Medical Association found that while vitamin E did not affect cognitive deterioration, it seemed to temporarily protect patients' ability to perform daily activities like putting on clothes and feeding themselves. And finally this week, we said goodbye to Jay Trainer, the original lead singer for Jay and the Americans. And when I told her, her kids... 
Jay Trainer was best known for singing lead on the group's first hit, She Cried, which was a top five hit in 1962. He started his first musical group, the Abtones, while in his mid-teens. At the age of 17, Jay was asked to become the new lead singer of the Mystics before starting with Jay and the Americans. Trainer didn't last long, though. After missing a few rehearsals, the other members of the group asked if he wanted to go solo. Jay released a couple of albums during the 60s, which were not successful. He went on to work behind the scenes in the 70s, and then later in his career, Trainer performed with cover bands and eventually became lead singer of a band where he developed an act featuring Frank Sinatra's music. Jay Trainer had been fighting liver cancer for the past two years. He passed away this week at the age of 70. I'm Libby Zneimer, and those are your Zoomer headlines from around the world. Winners never quit, and quitters never win. It's an old saying most of us believe in, and one we are likely to draw on during this season of life-changing resolutions. But my next guest, Peg Streep, says knowing when to give up can be just as important. Whether it's a job or a relationship, she says walking away is tough because we are hardwired for persistence. Peg Streep is the co-author of Mastering the Art of Quitting, Why It Matters in Life, Love, and Work. And I reached her in her Manhattan office. What I'd like people to understand is that persistence alone isn't the answer. Because you can waste a lot, a lot of time and a lot, a lot of energy and other resources persisting at something that in the end isn't, that A, isn't going to happen for you, or B, makes you unhappy. It's being able not only to persist when you want to, but to be able to disengage when you need to. Successful people know both how to persist and how to disengage or quit. You list some interesting things that often stop us from quitting or giving something up. So one of them is you call it, I guess, the sunk cost fallacy, that you've already put a lot of effort, perhaps a lot of money, a lot of time into something, and that just makes you more and more reluctant to give it up, even though there are signs that it's not working. Absolutely. Happens all the time. In fact, um, wars have been continued on the basis of the sunk cost fallacy. Right. Uh, not just relationships, you know, because X number of people have died, we must continue fighting. It's the same logic that pervades a man or a woman in a marriage or a relationship that is, I don't know, 15 years old, and all they can think about is the 15 they've already put in, even though they're miserable. It's just the way people tend to think. And it is indeed a fallacy. Now, another problem that you point out is uh, what you call a near win. So if you lose something or uh, you're not successful, but if you come close, that encourages you to hang in. This is built into the species. It's hardwired. And the reality of it is that seeing the near win when you're involved in a physical task, is actually quite productive. Anything that actually involves a skill that can be honed. But when it comes to matters emotional, someone is responding to you 
not exactly the way you want, but, hmm, it's slightly the way you want, and you think, okay, if I just, I'll think about it as a near win. That's really destructive thinking. But what about if it's business, say, and if you're almost making your numbers, but not quite? Well, again, that very much depends, doesn't it? Because it depends on your ability to realistically assess whether or not getting from the near win to the real win is actually feasible. There's also this business, and and this happens a lot in romantic situations, is that the frustration of of being thwarted or uh, rejected makes the goal appear a lot more tantalizing than it actually is. Absolutely. What you have to keep in mind is that we've got all of this hard wiring for persistence. So that which we can't get, the girl who got away, the guy who got away, I mean, again, these are actually songs. They, they dominate our imagination and, of course, become more valuable because of the hard wiring for persistence. So instead of saying to oneself, oh, she really wasn't right for me, there are reasons, or he, there are reasons this didn't work out. What you end up doing is responding to the if-only aspect of it, and you stay in, you know, basically a fruitless pursuit. So how do you know when it's time to stop persisting at something and to start quitting? What you really need to do is self-assess, and you will know. You will know whether or not you're caught in some near-win loop, that what you're trying to accomplish is not possible. You will know that the relationship that you're in is not satisfying And it's not in your power to make it any different. In other words, it's a kind of know-thyself process. It it involves taking stock of how you think, how you feel, and what it is that you want. Peg Streep, thanks so much, and very Happy New Year to you. Happy New Year to you, too. Thank you very much. Mastering the Art of Quitting, Why It Matters in Life, Love, and Work is co-authored by Peg Streep and Alan Bernstein and published by DeCapo Lifelong Books. I'm Libby Snymer, and this is the Zoomer Week in Review. It's exercise on your New Year's agenda. In just a moment, we'll learn all about the new trend for Zoomers, functional fitness. You're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, brought to you by Chartwell Seniors Housing, making people's lives better. Diet and exercise are at the top of that list of resolutions for most of us. But you may not realize it isn't just a matter of self-improvement. Zoomers need exercise for maintenance if we intend to maintain the ability to do all the things we have to do as well as the things we love. To get with the program, I spoke to Colin Milner of the International Council on Active Aging. I like to actually call it fitness to function, you know, uh, that we are fit enough to be able to do the things that we want to do on a daily basis. 
as we begin to get older, if we lead an inactive lifestyle, uh, it really begins to come to the forefront because, because between the ages of 35 and 75, we lose about 50% of our strength and 75% of our power. So the, as we go down the aging continuum, that amount is now accumulated and actually has a significant impact on our abilities. What's the difference um, between strength and power? In an athlete, you'll find power being, you know, the push-off on, say, a 100-meter sprint. Uh, so for an average individual, it's our ability, if we're stepping off of a curb and we step off the wrong way and we're about to fall, that we're able to respond in enough time to prevent that fall. Uh, where strength is just that. It's the ability to, to lift and carry things uh, because you, of course, are stronger in building on that strength. Are most people aware when they're losing capacity, when they're losing strength, when they're losing power? And is there anything that you recommend so that people can become more aware of what's going on with their bodies? You know, one of the things that we actually face as we get older is, is loss or change to our bodies. In our, you know, mid-30s on, we certainly want to start uh, a preventative program to stave off that loss. Now, the exciting part is, even if you haven't started in your 30s and you're in your 50s or 60s or 70s, it's never too late. You can significantly impact your strength loss by just simply getting into a strength training program now. The exciting part about it is that there isn't any great secret or magic formula. It's just a little bit of sweat and work, uh, you know, for increasing your strength, just doing strength exercises, uh, you know, cardiovascular, you want to do anything that gets your heart rate up and going for uh, at least 30 minutes a day, uh, five days a week. Now you can do that in small increments. It, 10-minute sections uh, three times a day. Uh, you also want to work in your flexibility and your balance to make sure that, as we talked about, that you aren't falling and that you are able to get up and down off the ground to grab things and play with your grandkids. So really, it, it is just simply becoming more active in all the areas that the physical activity guidelines recommend and it goes a long way to improving your health and well-being, no matter what age you are. So what kind of exercises do you recommend to accomplish this? Well, you know, a basic strength training program, as an example, you know, two to three times a week, uh, you know, uh, working on, you know, of course, including your legs. So, uh, you know, whether it's doing a, um, you know, a squat uh, or a leg press or leg curl or leg extension, any form of leg exercises, uh, you know, certainly would go uh, a long way uh, doing, you know, anywhere from one to three repetitions, um, you know, eight to 12 to 15, um, you know, repetitions. Uh, and, and, once you actually have mastered that, then add speed to that, which is where you get your power. Now, you need to make sure you're using the right tool 
to do that, such as, you know, uh, dumbbells or free weights or, uh, you know, equipment that actually enables you to move quickly and the equipment can actually keep up with you. Do you have any tips for motivation? Instead of thinking about what all of this is doing for your health down the road, focus on what it can do for you today. By being physically active today, you can start gaining your energy today. You can start becoming, you know, stronger on your legs today. You can start feeling more confident about your abilities today. So don't focus uh, on I, maybe I have diabetes and this can help me, you know, three years down the road or heart disease reduce my potential down the road. Focus on what it can do for you today. That's our greatest motivator because we see results immediately when we start to think that way. Okay, well, that sounds like good advice. Thank you so much. Oh, it's my pleasure. I'm Libby Snymer, and this is the Zoomer Week in Review. Stephen Stills, one of the great singer-songwriters of the Zoomer generation, celebrated his 69th birthday this week. In just a moment, we'll hear a song he wrote that defined a generation. You're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, brought to you by Chartwell Seniors Housing making people's lives better. Welcome back to the Zoomer Week in Review, all things Zoomer worldwide. I'm Libby Snymer. It's time for your International Arts Datebook. Tips for those of you who are jetting around the world. Here's Jane Brown. In New York City, Deborah Messing and Brian F. O'Byrne star in a new play by John Patrick Shanley. Outside Mullinger is now in previews at the Samuel J. Friedman Theatre. In the City of Angels, the Bob Baker Marionette Theatre continues its seasonal magic for the holidays. This year, the audience is invited to accompany the Wizard of Fantasy and his traveling companion as they revel in everything from the eight days of Hanukkah to Santa's workshop. To London, England, where a major exhibition of renowned artist Paul Clay is at Tate Modern. Works are on display which span three decades of Clay's career in the early 1900s. And at the Berlin Philharmonic... The World Brass Show and the Berlin Opera Chamber Orchestra delight audiences this weekend. I'm Jane Brown, and that's the International Arts Datebook. This Friday, Stephen Stills celebrated his 69th birthday. The singer-songwriter and multi-instrumentalist is best known for his roles in Buffalo Springfield and Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young. With Buffalo Springfield, he wrote and sang one of the most iconic songs of the 1960s. It was inspired by events that took place in Los Angeles on Sunset Strip in 1966. A strict 10 p.m. curfew had been imposed in order to reduce crowds, loitering, and traffic congestion from young people leaving nightclubs. Young hippies and rock and roll fans considered this a violation of their civil rights and planned a massive demonstration. On Saturday, November 12th, 1966, over a 1,000 people rallied at the corner of Sunset Boulevard and Crescent Heights. The crowd included celebrities like Jack Nicholson and Peter Fonda, who was famously handcuffed by the police after the demonstration. The clash between the demonstrators and the police inspired Stephen Stills, and three weeks later, he had written and recorded a song about the events. It has since become a well-known protest song and a hallmark of the 1960s. Here is Buffalo Springfield with For What It's Worth. There's something happening here 
what it is ain't exactly clear There's a man with a gun over there Telling me I got to beware I think it's time we stop Hey, what's that sound? Everybody look what's going We better stop now What's that sound? Everybody look what's going That was Buffalo Springfield with For What It's Worth. It was written by Stephen Stills, who celebrated his 69th birthday earlier this week. And that brings us to the end of another edition of the Zoomer Week in Review. I'm Libby Snymer. Thanks for joining me today. Please come back next week to stay up to date with all things Zoomer worldwide. You've been listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, produced by MZ Media Limited. Executive Producer, Moses Neiman. Produced by Paul Thomas. Program Director, John Vandriel. This has been an exclusive podcast of the Zoomer Week in Review. Heard every Sunday at noon on AM 740 Zoomer Radio. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network. Home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.